Mr. Cascarano? Yes, I'm here. All right, counsel, you may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honors. My name is Craig Cascarano, counsel, uh, opposing counsel as well. Good morning. Uh, I represent Mr. Eggerson uh, in this matter before the court. Um, I would like uh, just to cut to the chase here. The question uh, is whether or not, uh, first of all, there were two search warrants executed, one on Mr. Uh, Eggerson's residence in March and another in April on a cell phone. Um, the, the threshold question with regard to the March warrant is whether or not the warrant was general in nature, was not particular in describing what phones could be searched, and in addition, um, what in the phone could be searched. It's our contention that that is a general warrant that therefore lacks probable cause. I think what is curious about that uh, issue is the affiant who was a law enforcement officer who did not file a written affidavit but testified did not even mention the use of cell phones in the two controlled buys that precipitated his request for the search warrant. I have made reference to that in my brief because I think the courts can conclude that the judge who authorized the warrant, uh, which was presented, of course, by law enforcement, that it was just a boilerplate request for a search of the cell phones. Uh, that was subsequently, of course, signed by the court and executed by law enforcement. And when they did that, they went into a cell phone and observed the video of Mr. Eggerson firing, uh, I think it was an AK-47 on a rural property. It's our position that that warrant that was initially signed in March is a general warrant, lacks probable cause, and uh, <clears throat> the evidence should be suppressed based on that case's opinion of itself. Uh, now, with that said, I, I, should want, I want to make one comment regarding that. Um, I believe the magistrate in the report and recommendation did make reference that probable cause on that particular warrant uh, may be a problem. However, she never reached that, uh, that issue because uh, she felt as though the warrant was saved by the good faith exception that we all know about that was enunciated in Leon. Uh, so when I say I want to cut to the chase, I think the issue with regard to the March warrant is whether indeed it was overbroad and a general warrant number one. And if it was, whether or not it can be saved by the good faith exception. Um, I have reflected in my brief, the last page, uh, that I am not unmindful of the mountain of cases that this court has that authorized and legitimizes search warrants based upon the uh, good faith exception. However, in this particular case, I find it curious and perhaps odd that we might even have empirical evidence to show that law enforcement did indeed not have a reasonable grounds on which to believe the warrant was legitimate because the same police officer asked for a warrant that was 
that he had searched in the March warrant. I think the burning question in this particular case is why in the world would law enforcement request that second warrant if they thought the first warrant was legit? I believe uh, that both warrants uh, are almost identical in requesting that they search the phone for drug activity. The second warrant, curiously, the April 4th warrant, does not authorize or does not request the search of the phone for firearms. And indeed, that was exactly the focus of that search warrant. Curiously, law enforcement did not put in the affidavit portion of the warrant the communication that they had with the Winona uh, law enforcement agency dealing with a separate and distinct investigation with regard to Mr. Eggerson and firearms. I find it curious and odd that law enforcement would not enter that in the affidavit portion of the April 4th warrant. But again, I think why would law enforcement get a second warrant? For all sorts of purposes, if they felt that the March warrant was authorized and had a reasonable belief that it uh, had gotten the cause. And so I think those are the issues that we have tried to outline in uh, our brief. Uh, Council, can I ask you what's, what I think is not before us? One aspect of the warrant that concerned me was the ability to um, to seize all and search all electronic devices um, in the case. But I don't understand you. I understand you to be making the argument you just made, that you're not really arguing that the all electronic devices presented a problem in terms of particularity or otherwise. Am I correct about that? No, I, I, I think they both dovetail, Your Honor, and maybe I was inarticulate in my brief. Um, the March warrant authorizes the search and seizure of any cell, and then, of course, uh, goes on to say that there can also be forensic analysis of all cell phones. It's, yeah, I think the uh, though that language all comes underneath kind of the purview of overbroad and general. Not only was it not, in, in other words, the, the search warrant said all cell phones, which in our, in our view is general, and it did not even identify particularly where they could go into with a cell phone or what cell phones they could take. So I think it's all the same. I, I kind of struggled with how I could uh, articulate that to you folks this morning. Uh, and the best that I could come up with is it all comes with under the purview of being overbroad in general. Um, and so that's how I would, I would uh, characterize that. Of course, uh, we rely on the Griffith case. I understand that the magistrates, as well as the, the court, did not agree that that was uh, necessarily uh, helping our side of the fence. I, I respectfully disagree with that. I think the holding is that if you have a search warrant that requests for any and all cell phones, that's general in nature. The other, the last thing I want to say is this: with regard to the April fourth warrant. Um, the magistrate made reference to the independent doctrine, uh, independent source doctrine, and I respectfully suggest 
that that is in a positive in this particular case because I believe that the only reason law enforcement asked for the April 4th warrant is they had some questions as to whether or not Mark warrant was in fact legitimate. And uh, again, they are almost identical. Uh, and the April 4th warrant authorizes a search for drug-related activity, but the focus of that warrant, based upon the previous communication with Winona, was for firearm violation, not drug activity. And so I believe that in the event that the affiant included all the information that he had from Winona, that law enforcement may, I mean, the magistrate may not even authorize uh, the search of that cell phone for a firearm violation when indeed they were under the, reportedly looking for drug activity, but indeed they're really looking uh, beyond that, I have nothing further. Thank you very much. Counsel, can I ask you one question about this, which is I understand the warrant to um, to talk about, um, and it's not listed with regard to the cell phones themselves, but elsewhere in the warrant, it talks about um, evidence of, I'm trying to find the exact, finding evidence of drug trafficking and firearms possession. Could that, I mean, could a reasonable officer going to the good faith exception read that limitation elsewhere in the warrant to also apply to the cell phones, thus making the uh, the warrant a little more particular, or at least a reasonable officer could view it as being more particular? I understand that, Judge, and uh, we try. I tried to address that in my brief, that we are not unmindful of the fact, of course, that cell phones are routinely used in drug uh, activity, but I, I would respectfully suggest that it is rare to find videos regarding drug activity and controlled buys. Um, nevertheless, uh, it, it could read that. However, I think the threshold issue is it still does not particularize what cell phones they can look into. So in other words, it's still a general nature. So we can, the, the, the search warrant says you can search all cell phones, any cell phone even if it's not involved in the, this particular case, and indeed look for firearm violations uh, or for evidence of firearms and drugs. It still comes within the purview of being overbroad. So I don't think the entry in the March search warrant that talks about firearms is dispositive because it's still overbroad in a general warrant in, in its initial phase. And given those circumstances, of course, based upon my argument that their only reason for the August 4th warrant is to cure, so, for example, cure the defects of the March warrant, that uh, it's certainly not uh, good. Thank you. I have nothing further if there's no further questions. I appreciate your time. All right. Uh, Mr. Jacobs. Thank you. May it please the court, your honors, Assistant United States Attorney Harry Jacobs on behalf of the United States of America. The warrant that authorized the search of Eggerson's cell phone was valid because it was based on adequate probable cause. In addition, officers acted reasonably and in good faith, relying on a presumptively valid warrant. Counsel, can I ask a very basic question here? Is the government defending the April search warrant in this appeal? We're not, your honor. Okay. So, um, I think is is the independent um, source rule is that waived on appeal? Then I think the district court 
use that as part of its analysis. Is that's not before us? Am I correct? That's correct, Your Honor. Counsel, is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please, Your Honor. Um, counsel has suggested that the application for the second warrant um, is somehow relevant to the issue of whether or not uh, the good faith exceptions or the, should apply here. Would you respond briefly to that, please? A absolutely, Your Honor. Uh, with respect to whether or not the April 4th warrant matters, I, I, I tie that back to whether or not the affiant made a deliberate or reckless or false or misleading statement in testimony in support of the warrant. And I, and I would say he didn't, Your Honor. Um, the question is whether officers at the time they obtained and executed the first warrant in March reasonably presumed that warrant to be valid. Uh, that they later obtained a second warrant does not make any statements in the first warrant false or misleading. Um, the question here before the court is, is what the officer believed at the time. Um, at the time he swore out testimony in support of that first warrant and executed that first warrant. And that's the question with respect to uh, good, good faith, I would submit, Your Honor. Thank you. And Your Honors, I'm happy to address good faith, um, certainly in a minute, I would submit to the court that there was probable cause for the cell phone search warrant, not relying on good faith for three reasons. Importantly, each of these three reasons provides independent basis for probable cause. First, it was reasonable for the magistrate to conclude that cell phones generally have a nexus to drug dealing activity. Second, the statements made by the affiant provided probable cause as to the specific connection between the cell phone and drug dealing activity. And third, regardless of probable cause connecting the cell phone to illegal activity, cell phones in this case could contain items listed in the search warrant that were clearly supported by probable cause. Can I ask you a factual question on that point, which is would investigator Mancuso testified uh, in favor of obtaining the search warrant? That's my understanding of what happened. Did he know or express at any point in the record that we can see, is there any, any expression of this, that he knew that Eggerson owned a cell phone? Your Honor, at the time that he testified for the March warrant, he didn't uh, express that. However, there is information and evidence in the record that he did, in fact. Uh, I'd point, Your Honors, to the April search warrant, um, and that affidavit actually includes information that suggests that uh, investigator Mancuso did in fact know that Mr. Eggerson uh, had a cell phone and in fact used a cell phone to facilitate the the uh, drug transactions in question here. Well, that would be relevant for good faith, I think, what he knew in April, presuming that we can say he knew that in March as well. Um, but I'm not sure that that gets you over the probable cause hump necessarily. Absolutely, Your Honor. And I agree with you that that's certainly as to the question of good faith and what was known to the officer at that time. With respect to your question specifically as to probable cause, Your Honor is right that the affidavit testimony did not specifically mention the role of cell phones to these drug transactions. However, there was testimony that more broadly referred to communications. The testimony said that Eggerston, quote, reached out to the confidential informant. The testimony said that the confidential informant, quote, made contact with Eggerson. I think it's reasonable that the magistrate inferred from uh, from this testimony that was included for the March search warrant affidavit that there was in fact cell phone um, cell phone communication. Uh, you know, I, I point 
your honors to the oft quoted language from Riley v. California, cell phones are now such a pervasive and insistent part of daily life that the proverbial visitor from Mars might conclude they were an important feature of human anatomy. And indeed, the report and recommendation even echoed that language and sentiment and noted that because of the modern ubiquity of cell phones as a primary means of communication for most people, it was not unreasonable for the issuing judge to make that inference. But more importantly, your honors, regardless of whether there was specific probable cause connecting the cell phone to illegal activity, the cell phone could contain items listed in the search warrant for which were clearly supported by probable cause. I don't think it's in dispute that there was probable cause as to drug dealing activity, that there was probable cause as to possession of a firearm. This court has held that a cell phone may be searched when it may contain uh, other items listed in a search warrant, United States v. Gamboa, 439F3rd at 807, uh, a more recent decision by this court in United States v. Oliver found that cell phones could contain other items specifically mentioned in a search warrant, and therefore the search of the cell phone was proper. In this case, cell phones here could have contained, um, could have contained information that was specifically authorized by the warrant such as records of transactions or what your honors mentioned before, items tending to show possession of firearms. Because the cell phones could contain this type of information that was expressly authorized by the search warrant, that provided probable cause to search cell phones regardless of whether or not there were facts related to the use of cell phones for any particular drug transaction. Eggerson uh, references United States v. Griffith However, I'd, I'd um, submit to your honors that that does not support Mr. Eggerson's argument that the search warrant was overbroad. In particular, the Griffith case was relying on the fact that there were multiple indicators specific to that case that showed that the defendant was unlikely to own a cell phone, including that he was just released from confinement and that his co-conspirator uh, did not use or, or own a cell phone. These indicators are not present in this case. And indeed, as I mentioned previously, your honors, there, were, there was testimony included in the search warrant affidavit that, uh, that, Mr. Eggerson, that leads to a reasonable inference that Mr. Eggerson may have used a, a cell phone, that the confidential informant made contact, that Mr. Eggerson reached out. These are, are, are phrases that in, in the totality of the circumstances lead to a reasonable inference that a cell phone was used in light of Riley v. California, the ubiquity of cell phones. This is how people communicate um, in, in this day and age, and it's a reasonable inference that uh, a cell phone was used. Counsel, can I ask you about the particularity requirement? I think it's, I mean, if we don't get to the good faith exception, I think it's awfully close here because this warrant is really broad. I mean, it covers all electronic devices, not just cell phones. Um, and I'm a little, I don't know that it rises to the level of so facially deficient that a reasonable officer would know it was, you know, it was so deficient, but, um, could you address particularity? Because that's my major concern with, with this particular warrant. Your honor, I, I, I understand the, the concern there. Um, and I understand, um, but with respect to the particularity requirement, I, you know, I'd start by noting that 
particularity is a standard of practical accuracy rather than a hyper-technical analysis. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind, particularly in the context of this case in a fast-moving drug investigation. Uh, law enforcement could not have known at the time they were seeking a search warrant the precise form that the evidence in that, this case would take. Uh, the evidence that they had probable cause to seize could have been stored anywhere on a cell phone or other types of electronic devices. As, as mentioned previously with respect to probable cause, uh, if there's probable cause to search for an item such as uh, a ledger or a record of communication or an item tending to show possession of a firearm, then there's probable cause to search in places where that might be found. And in this but case- if, But if you're really concerned about a cell phone, uh, why not limit it to cell phones? I just think, you know, I don't, for example, if, if, it would have, if there was a kid's tablet in the, or a kid's computer in the, in, the, uh, in the house, this would have been covered by the search warrant. But you don't seem to be making the same arguments that you're making on a cell phone, texting, uh, communicating with potential uh, drug buyers, et cetera. And I can't imagine that a kid's computer um, or a kid's tablet would contain evidence of drug dealing. Well, Your Honor, respectfully, I, I think uh, you're probably right, but it's cert it, that can't be said with certainty. And, and the point of um, the particularity requirement is to outline places where the evidence could be found. It's unlikely, potentially, that a kid's tablet contains information outlined in the search warrant, but it's certainly possible. It has the technological capability to hold that information. And while in normal circumstances, you or I may not think that someone would um, hide illicit information on a kid's tablet, that may in fact be a reason to hide information on that tablet. And that's precisely why the particularity requirement is one of practical uh, accuracy and not a hyper-technical requirement. Because grounded in the real world constraints of this investigation, the fast-moving drug investigation, a search warrant, the search warrant here was as particular as the circumstances allowed. And, and Your Honor, I would respectfully submit that that is what the Fourth Amendment requires. Do you read the limitation elsewhere in the warrant? Uh, I asked opposing counsel, I just want to have, I want to make sure that, that you agree or that you actually, that you agree with the question itself, which is the limitation on uh, firearms possession and drug trafficking that appears elsewhere in the warrant. Do you read that as modifying um, basically the remainder of the warrant, which is this is what you're looking for. And therefore that is a limitation on what may be found and looked at I, I absolutely do, Your Honor. I think that um, those are the guiding terms in, ter in terms of how this warrant should be interpreted. Uh, the remainder of the warrant lists certain places to be searched. Um, as you say, some of those places are particularly broad, um, but places where information relating to firearms, relating to narcotics and drug distribution would be found. For example, the warrant uh, allows for the search of a person on the property Certainly that's not a search for anything relating to that person or anything on that person. It's allowing and authorizing a search for items relating to drug trafficking, possession of a firearm. Your honors, if there are no further questions on probable cause or particularity, I turn now to the good faith exception. The good faith exception applies because law enforcement acted with objective good faith in obtaining a warrant to search the phone. As I previously mentioned, evidence in the record reflects that the affiant knew additional information not included in the testimony in support of the warrant, 
regarding the use of the specific Eggerson cell phone to set up the drug buys. In particular, that April search warrant, which is included in the government's addendum, stated that the confidential informant used a cell phone to make contact with Eggerson for the second controlled buy. In determining the presence of good faith reliance on a search warrant, the court must consider the totality of the circumstances, including information that was not presented to the court, but was known to the officer at the time. And based on the totality of the circumstances, the officer acted in good faith. In addition, the testimony in support of the warrant was not so lacking in probable cause as to render official belief in its existence entirely unreasonable. For the reasons I mentioned earlier, and as a report and recommendation in district court concluded, there may have actually been an adequate articulation of probable cause, despite the certain imperfections with the search warrant. And therefore, law enforcement's belief in the same cannot be said to be entirely unreasonable. In addition, as I addressed at the outset, I do not believe that the fact that officers sought and obtained a subsequent search warrant makes any statements in the original search warrant false or misleading. The question, as I said previously, is what was in the officer's head and how he acted at the time he obtained and executed the original search warrant. In addition, there's no evidence that the warrant was facially deficient, and there's no evidence or argument that the issuing judge didn't wholly abandoned his judicial role or failed to act in a neutral manner. For these reasons, Your Honor, even if the court concludes that there was not sufficient probable cause in support of the warrant, I submit that the warrant is still valid based on the good faith exception. If Your Honors have no further questions, I would cede the rest of my time. Very good. Thank you, Mr. Jacobs. And Mr. Cascarano, you have almost a little under four minutes. I will try to be very brief as I have done these arguments. A person much wiser than me has always said, never say anything that doesn't add knowledge to silence. But I'd like to breach that proverb and just mention one or two things. I think with all due respect, not unmindful of what the Leon case holds and what good faith exception provides with regard to the warrant. But I very vociferously suggest to the outstanding question here as to why in the world did Investigator Mancuso even apply for the second warrant if he knew that the first warrant was legitimate? They are identical. And my review of the record does indicate, and maybe I'm wrong, but my review of the record is that he was aware that the Winona people were investigating Mr. Eggerson for violations and observed those firearm violations on that phone. It is rare, as I've said, that 
we sometimes are able to look into the mind of law enforcement as to whether or not they have a reasonable belief that the search warrant is valid. And I think Now, with regard to probable cause, I believe that perhaps all of us can draw the inference that the magistrate believed there was no probable cause in the search warrant because she indicated that she would not reach that issue because the good faith exception was kind of the fail-safe for this search warrant. That search warrant, anybody can read that search warrant and come to the conclusion that it's entirely overbroad for any cell phone, any electronic device. And with particularly, it doesn't talk about whether, where they need to search the search warrant or where they need to search the cell phone, where they might find the evidence. All of us have seen it doesn't contain probable cause. And I respectfully suggest that this April 4th warrant, although the government is not going to add to get a second warrant because he thought the first warrant might be defective. There's no other reason why he would have done that because they are identical. Which was clearly not the focus of that warrant in the first place. The focus of the second warrant was firearms violation. I find it curious that the affidavit doesn't even make mention of that. So with that said, I have nothing further and I appreciate everybody's time. Thank you, counsel. Appreciate your arguments this morning. And this case is submitted and a decision will be rendered in due course. Please call the next case.